You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. Today on the island, I have Claire Zara Johnson with me. Claire is someone I've come to know over the past five years, and I'm especially impressed by her worldly and progressive thinking. She's currently completing a doctorate in business leadership and is immersing herself in the new space of flow science. Welcome to the island, Claire. Thank you, Tony. What's happening in your world at the moment that's interesting? Uh, A lot of things actually are all focused around something I've been obsessed with for the last three or four years, which you've just referred to, which is uh, known as flow science, which is basically a peak mental state where you feel your best and perform your best. And I came across it actually when I was working with you at Visibility a few years back as an interesting connection between change and complexity and volatility and things like that that organisations have to deal with and also inspiration, creativity and innovation. So anything and everything in my world right now is basically hinged off understanding flow better and understanding how to educate people in how to get more flow in their lives. And is that not only in a personal state but also in the corporate business world? Yes, well it starts with the individual so I very, you know, tend to work with individuals to begin with to get them to understand uh, what this is and how their um, brain and body can impact on how they act and feel and perform. But I try and and like to work with leaders who have some sort of influence inside organisations because then they can, once they've experienced it themselves, can take it in and and do some amazing things, both for the performance of an organisation but also it has an amazing impact on wellbeing, which I'm especially passionate about. And is it something that we're ready for in little old Perth? Interesting question. Perth is definitely needing it. I think actually across the globe there is a very similar trend when it comes to both the mental health epidemic and also levels of engagement inside organisations and I think they're both linked. So whether you're talking Western Europe, Australia, New Zealand... Asia or North America, the stats are very similar. So more than ever, Perth needs this kind of thing. 
but it does require a new kind of mindset and for us to be open our, our, our minds and hearts up a little bit more to a different way of doing things. But the cool thing about it is this is based in science and neuroscience in particular. So there's some really compelling stats that show what can happen when you do embrace this kind of approach to performance and well-being. So I'm on a mission to make sure Perth is ready for it. Uh, and that's, that's where I'm at at this point in time with my work. Fantastic. So before we finish the podcast <clears throat> at the end of your story, we'll, um, I'll give you a chance to plug what you're doing in that space. Around, sure. And I, I do know that it's not only around Perth, but it's also around Australia and in the US. So it it's is. very, very exciting. So yes. we'll get to that at the end. Okay. But now that you're on the island, yes. we want to hear your story. What was the time in your life when you did something a little different, did something for yourself, did something a little crazy. What's your story? So at the beginning of this year, in February, I jumped on a plane to America for the first time. I've done a lot of travel over the years, in particular Asia and Europe, but I'd actually never been to America. And I was heading over there for a very specific reason, and that was to do some training with the world's leaders in flow science research. They're known as the Flow Genome Project. And although I had been completing my doctorate and, and going deep into to the research of flow psychology and flow neuroscience, this particular organisation had also been training with and doing online training with them, and they launched and announced a coaching certification. And I just knew for some reason that I needed to be there with the other first people in the world to be trained in this particular way. I needed to be there and to experience it and I just had a gut feeling that it was going to add the final piece that I needed to um, my thinking for my doctorate and also I think just the final piece of training I needed personally to really bring this uh, work to life. So. I headed over. It was a five-day live immersion. And this was the first time it had ever been held? Yes. It was their very first cohort of people that they've taken through and trained in this way. So there was about 50 people. From all around the world? From all around the world. There was about five other Australians, which I didn't know previously, but I'm now very close to. We've just done a workshop in Melbourne with some of them. Yep. So the way it operated is we were all sort of... The, the training was in Santa Cruz in a really beautiful health retreat called 1440. Stunning, stunning grounds in the Redwood, Redwood Forest. And we were all lumped in there together, not really anyone knowing anyone, um, for five days straight and basically asked to get to know each other very well through a number of different ways. And we've come out the other end. We then So that was five days, and then we trained together for six months um, online. So checking in once a week with each other on Zoom for about an hour and a half and also completing a number of sort of online missions um, that required a lot of personal sort of looking deep into our own selves and then sharing what we found with each other. So at the end of six months, you can imagine we're all very close and connected, and, and I now have some amazing lifelong friends. So... That sounds very West Coast American, mm-hmm. and it's probably, for a lot of Australians, a non-traditional learning environment. Yeah. What did you 
find that that brought to the process being a little bit um, less traditional? It was less traditional on so many different levels. So obviously it not being within an academic structure. So while they partner with a lot of universities, they're an independent organisation. That is highly experiential action learning. So that's what I was looking for. I had, you know, had my head in textbooks for the last few years. And whilst that's important and had got me so far, this was actually sort of living and breathing what I had been studying so deeply. It was also non-traditional in the sense that they're very much about choosing the left-hand path when it comes to looking at how we think as humans and how we make decisions and what what information we pay attention to. And their whole thing is around really this, this idea of self-authoring. So rather than going along with what we've been told forever and conforming to what is expected of us or even just believing what, what we're told or what we hear in the news, really the, the first part of this training was really un, unpacking and unstitching all of that socialised thinking and putting together mindsets that were way more open to considering a, a different way of doing things. And that was confronting in ways because it meant, you know, really looking at ideas or opinions I'd had about the world that I'd been taught probably through the eyes of my, my parents and, and realising actually that that's not the only truth and that there's other ways to think about things and that as adults and growing adults we are allowed to continue to form different and new opinions around things and actually apply different mental models to to make our decisions. So although this was about flow and flow states and accessing flow states, first and foremost it was around how to think differently. The people, the 50 or so people that participated, was there a level a similar level of acceptance to this process or were there some that were perhaps more shocked and found it a more difficult process than others? I think for some who hadn't been exposed to the Flow Genome Project for, for, for very long were very shocked and confronted and you know there was a, there was a clause at the beginning where they sort of at the very first night I remember them taking us through the program for the next couple of days and there were a few shocks in in that and there was an offer at the end of that evening that said if you're not 100% in right now then there's a luxury hotel $5,000 and a full refund waiting for you. Um, Geez, you don't get that from a university. No. <laughs> your first week at uni or undergraduate course and you go nah, maybe yeah. this isn't for me. So I think uh, three people took that offer. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yep and so that was interesting um, and I think then but I think everyone else who who hung in there through those five days mostly got through the course there was a, a drop-off of, of probably about 10 20 percent I think and I think that was a, a mix of people just thinking no this is just not for me as well as it actually the training was really hard you know and it was hard in the sense that you really had to delve deep into yourself and and do the work so yeah I think it was confronting it was conf- I, I had been aware of this work and and the approach of flow genome, genome project for a number of years so I was kind of ready for it and even I had some moments of just going what on earth is this <laughs> but so, it, so you've you're doing your doctorate 
through a traditional university, albeit remotely. Mm-hmm. So you you have been in that traditional space, as you said, in within nose in textbooks over the last couple yes. of years. Do you see this way of learning totally differently, or is it complementary? You know, is it is it something that you just is totally the opposite? It's totally the opposite, and it's the only way to learn. So having a head in a textbook, reading is very useful, and obviously reading is complementary, but unless you actually step into this with your whole body and brain and heart and mind, uh, it's impossible to understand and learn this work. So it's my gut feeling was right in that I, I just knew that there was something missing and I could have submitted my doctorate easily without having done this. But now that I've done it, the level of depth and insight that I can now add into what I'm talking about, which eventually, I mean, a, a doctorate's a doctorate. It's There's a thesis at the end of it. And what I'm passionate about is turning that into something that actually has impact in the world. So this is why I'm looking at really finding tangible ways of bringing this into organisations, creating programs around it, and actually turning a, a, you know 50,000 words into something that's actually going to change people's lives. Well, and I guess interestingly, that's demonstrated by the fact that you and the other Australians have already put together a, a workshop in, or a weekend in Melbourne yes. recently, and yeah. within the six months of doing the course. Yeah, and a big part of it was, you know, learn this stuff and then go out and build stuff. And, you know, Australians are fairly good at, you know, just getting on with stuff. And I think, I think with, they called them boat teams. So this was my boat team and it was eight of us. So we had, I think, five Australians, a guy from San Francisco, a girl from Tokyo and a girl from Hawaii. So we were just really keen to actually collaborate and co-create with this new, both new way of thinking that we'd all... Um, embraced as well as new new science and information that we had to actually go and build something interesting with. So the new science that's an interesting thing because obviously neuroscience is is uh, being very topical at the moment there's a lot of work into it and with our ability to measure the brain and monitor the brain a lot more accurately with uh, technology um, we're able to develop that science where is this project positioned in terms of the wave? Is it in front of the wave? Is it on top of the wave? Or is it you paddling to get in front of the wave? It's right at the front of the wave. These, the Flow Genome Project and now the Flow Research Collective are the two entities that are forging this neuroscience research forward, particularly when it comes to, to flow or peak states, which is, all, which is another way of describing flow. The thing is, though, it's forever changing. So what I knew to be true a year ago uh, has been undone already. So the whole thing with it is while, you know, there's, there's certain things that stay the same, there's also things that are changing literally week to week, month to month, as they get more able to actually monitor what's happening in our brains, which means that you really have to be on top of it. It's... Um, and everything's a maybe. So there's there's stuff that we know, but it's it's also a maybe just because so much is going on and there's there's thousands of people researching this stuff now. I mean, the grandfather of 
Flow Research, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who started kicked this all off in the 1980s. He's he's still got a team of researchers and he's he's in his sort of mid 80s now and still going. And thankfully, neuroscience has come up behind the psychology to help clarify a lot of the subjective subjectiveness of of what flow is. So it's never ending. It's forever changing. And I think that's the really I think that's why you need this open mind as well. You don't just believe what you read yesterday and that's truth forever. It's it's an ongoing process of of learning and holding multiple perspectives at once and having really vigorous ways of discerning what may or may not be true. So I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit because it is part of the your story and the journey in particular your time in the states. Mm-hmm. During the week or so that you studied and connected with the other 50 people who were part of this project, what was the standout light bulb moment for you from a point of view of human interaction? Did it create anything enlightening for you? Two things, I think. The first was, so in our boat teams, we were put together each evening for a dinner. So the dinner was in sort of a big hall, but you would sit at a table with your boat team and you were given the task of doing, um, having a, a hosted deep conversation. So the first night was death over dinner, then it was religion over dinner, then it was sex over dinner, and then it was drugs over dinner. So four nights sitting around with people who you only just met, um, talking about some of the most intimate things that you may not have ever even told your partner or your family and completely sober so no wine or anything to make this an easier thing and not so much surprised me but reassured me again of how how much people are needing to and wanting to and and able to connect deeply so quickly and really it was that process that I think started this journey of deep trust and vulnerability and connection that's allowed us to become such good friends and colleagues since but it was just just so interesting how you know with with the right conditions the right level of psychological safety how quickly we are willing to go deep and connect with each other and I just think that's the most beautiful thing and the world needs more of that and personally in, in my work I I try to create those kind of moments and and will continue to forevermore. Deep connection and trust is actually a requirement for a flow state to ever set in, so that's interesting in itself. But that was amazing and and a a light bulb moment that, you know, it wasn't the first time I ever realised that, but it it was a moment to remember that and that was really special. The other thing that happened and I haven't talked about this too much because it's a little bit crazy, but the Saturday night, so I think this began on a Wednesday night, the Saturday night was the final evening. So a big part of studying flow or triggering flow, you, you can trigger it in an, using a number of different technologies as such. So what I mean by that is there's, there's five or six different things. So there's, there's respiration, there's movement, there's substances, there's sexuality, and the environment that you're in and we experimented because we were in California on the Saturday night with with the substances technology and what that meant was a number of different things that were very much kind of the left hand 
road when it comes to thinking about how you might uh, trigger a flow state. In particular, obviously, cannabis there is legal. So there was the opportunity to play around with that and stack that up with other things such as movement and respiration and then nitrous oxide so (laughs) you know we remember that as you know the good old whipping cream nangs of our teen years perhaps and this was being distributed you know via balloons for you know 50 60 adults to again stack stack alongside with respiration and movement and music to really study what what was the impact on and what you know what kind of altered state were you able to achieve what did it feel like what was what was the protocol what did you learn how did you feel afterwards what was the impact the next day so there I am just you know it's I'm studying and researching but playing around with things that for one in Australia cannabis is illegal and secondly whilst the nitrous oxide isn't illegal it's certainly frowned upon so that was confronting and interesting and again to see you know 50 60 adults in a room with crazy lights and music you know I felt like I was at a rave party basically and I just paid ten thousand dollars to go there <laughs> that's know? uh that's action learning at its, that is action at its peak <laughs> at its peak and it really challenged me fantastic Claire just before we finish up you did confide in me before you went to America because you'd never been there before and you were a little concerned about your safety being a, um, a woman traveling alone how did you find it because you were in San Fran for a bit of time weren't you yes so I spent time in San Francisco Santa Cruz and LA and it was interesting when I first landed in LA I was really uh, there was a massive culture shock for me which was surprising and it was to be honest it was the accents it was just so weird to the accent just just really threw me for a while and I was in Venice Beach which in a, in a area in Venice Venice Beach that was a little um, rough so I definitely felt a bit on my toes um, that those first couple of days but I settled in and being in the Redwoods, you know, I felt 100% safe and, and fine there. But then coming back to San Francisco after quite an intense five days, probably a little bit shell-shocked from, from the experience, I, I guess I think I just settled in really nicely. I, I was quite comfortable going out at night time. In fact, San Fran's known for its jazz and I love my jazz. So I headed out to a few jazz clubs and it was only moments where I really had to go, oh gosh, I have to remember where I am. You know, when the cab driver would say, oh look, I'm not actually going to drop you off on that street, on that side of the street because that's really, really dodgy. I'm going to take you around and you're going to just run straight from my car into that door and I'm going to watch you in and here's my number in case you want to get picked up from here later. And that was, I think, in Tenderloin in San Francisco, which is where the best jazz club was, but obviously it wasn't a very safe place to be. But I was there doing it and I think it's just, yeah, I think when you're in the moment, it doesn't feel as, as scary. Probably doesn't mean it's, it's safe, but I was able just to get on with it and get into it. And by the time I left, I certainly didn't want to leave San Francisco. It just felt like a place that I'd lived before, a place I need to go back to and LA was similar. So interesting culture shock at the beginning, got very used to it over time and who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've talked about the left-hand road 
and the path that um, those around the flow states and flow science are, are taking. And you've taken that left-hand boat trip to the island today. So thanks for joining us. It's been great to, to hear your, your story. And I know you have many, many adventures in your life. And it's, um, it's great that your recent exposure to the States and to this project has been your story today. So thanks very much. Thank you. And I'd like to give you the opportunity to just plug what you're doing, especially in Perth. Our listenership is getting bigger, and so hopefully there'll be an opportunity for people to engage in some of the work that you're doing. So perhaps you could give us a plug. Sure, thank you. So I, at the moment, I'm running a series of online programs which also have a live component to them. So you can find out more about that on my website, which is clairesarahjohnson.com. And really what that, it's a 16-week program with eight other fellow travellers and that takes you through a lot of what we've been talking about today. Everything from, it starts with the deep connection, connection to self and then connection to others and then connection to the planet we live on and it moves you through and into spaces where you're exploring your purpose in life and what's meaningful to you and how to become masterful in what you do in the world and that's then the platform for the flow state and we go deep into flow training and flow science and finish up really looking at looking at well what do we do with the amazing creativity and innovation that comes out of a flow state what do we actually do with that how do we integrate that back into our life into our work and into making some sort of greater impact in this world so if that sounds of interest jump on my website follow me on instagram and i look forward to sharing more with you all there Fantastic. Thanks for joining us today on Max's Island. Thank you so much, Tony. We spoke on the bus on the way home from work. He was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur, all work and no play. And how, how it had turned out this way He told me his plan, a short-term escape Five weeks on the Bibbulin track Go it alone, no one to blame If he finished or fell by the way
every sense was engaged, his mind was as clear as the sky. Completely alone, no emails or phone, and nothing. 